Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. In the aftermath of stress, disappointment and trauma, people often fall into survival mode, even while a part of them longs for more. Juggling multiple demands and responsibilities keeps them busy but not healed. As a survivor of sexual assault, racism and uh, evacuation from a civil war in, Li- in Liberia, My guest today, Dr. Tamer Bryant, knows intimately the work involved with healing. Having made the journey herself, in addition to guiding others as a clinical psychologist and ordained minister, Dr. Tamer shows you how to reconnect with your authentic self and reclaim your time, your voice, and your life. Signs of this connection from self can take many forms, including people-pleasing, depression, anxiety, and resentment. Healing starts with recognizing and repressing emotions in an honest way and reconnecting with neglected parts of yourself, but it can't be done in a vacuum. Dr. Tamer gives you the tools to meaningfully connect with your larger community during this conversation and in her brand new book called Homecoming, overcome fear and trauma to reclaim your whole authentic self. And I loved this book. It was such a great book, especially when you open the book up, she starts the book with a story of an eagle and I get her to share that story during this conversation because it is a powerful story and I, I love any story that revolves an eagle and that has a profound lesson that comes as a result of it. But my guest, Dr. Tamer Bryant, is the incoming president-elect of the American Psychological Association, the leading scientific and professional organization representing psychology with more than 120,000 
members. Dr. Tamer Bryant completed her doctoral in clinical psychology at Duke University and her postdoctoral training at Harvard Medical uh, Center's Victims of Violence Program. Upon graduating, she became the coordinator of the Princeton University SHARE program, which provides intervention and prevention programming to combat sexual assault, sexual harassment, and harassment based on sexual orientation. She is currently a tenured professor of psychology in the Graduate School of Education and Psychology at Pepperdine University, where she directs the Culture and Trauma Research Laboratory. And I was honestly thrilled and honored to be speaking with Dr. Tamer. I, because she's coming off Pepperdine's, uh, uh, test uh, season. So she was busy marking a lot of tests. So getting quite a bit of time with her was uh, tricky, but she made it work for me. And for that, I will be forever grateful for. So you guys are going to love this conversation. I know because I loved speaking with her. She's so wise and there is so much breadth to her knowledge and her wisdom as well. So go and help support Dr. Tamer by buying a copy of her brand new book called Homecoming. Links for that will be in the show notes below. Uh, and also, my friends, don't forget before you leave to leave a rating and review of an Apple podcast would go a great way uh, in helping to spread the more, more amazing messages and stories like this one to help more and more people out there in the world. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me in this story box and learn more about how we can have our own homecoming as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Dr. Tamar Bryant. Oh, thank you so much. I am delighted to be with you and with your community of listeners. Uh, this has just been an exciting time. So glad to come and talk about homecoming and my journey. I can't wait to dive further into it with you. And I guess I, I'm going to shift gears a little bit from my normal, I guess, question that I start off with. Uh, I mentioned to you just a moment ago that I am a huge fan, and my audience will know this, huge fan of eagles. And there's a specific reason as to why that is. I believe God created them to be a very serene and beautiful creature, one that is different to all the others. And you open up the book, uh, your new book, Homecoming, with a story about an eagle. And can I please ask you to share that story if you remember the whole story and yes. what has that got to do with homecoming? Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to share it. And so uh, I'm African-American, but I lived for, for part of high school in Liberia, West Africa. And uh, while I was there, I fell in love with storytelling so I'll tell uh, the story in my version of Liberian English. If you listen to the audiobook, I have a sister tell the story who actually is Liberian. So then you will get the genuine accent. But I will just give you my variation. Once upon a time, once upon a time, there was a man who was an animal expert. This man knew every animal that was in the bush. You people say jungle, forest, a real word, that's bush. When a man see lion, he know the thing lion. When a man see elephant, he know the thing elephant. So one day he walking so, 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 and be behind one farm, he sees so, so chickens. In the middle of the chickens is one eagle. The animal experts say, mm -hmm. 
what kind of business is this? He go to the front of the farm. He knock on the door. He say, bop, bop. In America, they say, knock, knock. The real sound, that bop, bop. The man inside say, who that? The man outside say, that me. You might open the door and see. So he opened the door. He say, what your business here? He say, in the back of your farm, you got so, so, so chicken. But in the middle, you got one eagle. The man said, no, I only have chicken. They go to the back of the farm. He see the thing he said is an eagle. He picked it up. He put it on his arm. He say, listen to me. You can fly. Those chickens, they can't fly. So you should fly. The eagle looked at him. He looked at his chicken brothers and sisters eating their chicken food. He hopped off the man's arm and went back to eating chicken food. The farmer started laughing at the expert. The expert was vexed. He said, I come in to go. The next day he comes so soon in the morning, God himself was not awake yet. Eh? You know what time it was. So he came and he picked up the eagle. This time he climbed on the top of the roof of the farm. At that moment, the sun started to rise. He said to the eagle, all your life, people told you you were chicken. They told you to act like a chicken, talk like a chicken. Well, you're not a chicken. You can fly. You see how far that sun is? You can go that far and you need to fly. The eagle looked at the man. He said, I think every day this man will come bother me until I try this thing. So he opened his wings. He spread his wings. My people, he started to fly. He flies so far, my eye can never see him again. And that's the whole reason I'm here with Jay today to tell you, you're not chicken, you eagle. So fly now, fly. So that is the story <laughs> of the chicken and the eagle. And it's about homecoming, coming back to the truth of who you are. Sometimes we have been treated like we're something other than who we are. And it's for us to get those reminders, either people outside of us or something within us that reminds us of what is possible for us and that reminds us what is the truth. That story was pretty much word for word <laughs> was in, in the book. So well done. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That. And, and your accent too. I mean, it was <laughs> awesome. Um, the the question that I did want to ask you from that story is you're right. I mean, I think a lot of us, we we're taught one thing for a lot of our lives and it kind of gives us this little bit of a, a disconnect between who we really are to who we want to be and, and all, all this confusion, right. For a lot of people. And I guess I wanted to ask you, why is it that a lot of people are taught one thing and then they believe another thing? In life. Yes. Yes. So important. And I'll tell you, still connecting to the story. Some people will get defensive and say, there's nothing wrong with being a chicken. And I say, if you are a chicken, there's nothing wrong with it. But there's something wrong with it if that's not who you are. Mm. So, you know, what happens is sometimes, you know, part of what I write about in the book is stress and trauma. So sometimes because we have been mistreated, we go into survival mode. And so then you just become a people pleaser. And so then you're not in touch with what you want or what you need and what you feel. Instead, you're constantly trying to anticipate what do other people want me to be? So mm. if I can be that, maybe I'll be chosen. If I can be that, maybe I won't be abandoned. If I can be that, maybe I won't be abused. 
And so we start becoming these other characters. And, you know, it can start very early in life. We get messages of like who's praised, who is rewarded, who is celebrated and who is ignored. And so that can make you uh, act like something you're not dress in a way that you don't really want to dress, do your hair in a way you don't because uh, trying to get acceptance. Uh, And so the search for outside acceptance in the absence of internal acceptance can cause us to abandon ourselves. Did you ever struggle with knowing who you really are as you're growing up? Absolutely, on multiple levels. So I'll start at a fundamental level. So Mm -hmm. my name is Tama, which is an African name, which means queen. And my parents are um, African-American, but they wanted to give my brother and I names with meanings. So his name is Jamal and my name is Tama. And, you know, I initially I grew up and I was fine with the name and then I started school. So then in kindergarten, the teacher's going through the list and uh, calling everybody by name. And when she got to my name, it just it wasn't just that she was unfamiliar with it. It was the way she screwed up her face like she was disgusted by the name. like She was bothered by the name. And uh, and I had to correct her but when I came home. This is kindergarten. This is, you know, the high, you know, young, 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 five, six years old. I came home crying and I said to my parents, can you please just change my name to Mary? I want my name to be Mary. Right. So this idea of at the very beginning that, you know, my name is it is um, insufficient. Right. It's unacceptable. Uh, it's not uh, easily spoken, easily chosen. So at that level, when we think about culturally um, needing, feeling like you need to be something you're not. Um, When I was in college, uh, I came home from Duke University and I was so happy that I made, you know, like the dean's list with my grades. And my dad was, you know, praising me to his friends. And literally when he announced that, you know, I had all A's my first semester of college, one of his male friend's immediate response was, she'll never get a man like that. Right? So this idea of like, you have to play stupid, right? You need to be dumb to be deemed attractive, right? Now I didn't, I didn't start playing dumb, right? <laughs> but uh, these messages we get of the way that you are is somehow unacceptable. You know, it, it has, it has an impact. So mm-hmm. one of the things I am rejoicing about really in this season of my life is really feeling free and comfortable uh, with myself. And um, and I feel that that also puts other people at ease to be themselves, because when you're in the presence of someone who is faking it, like nobody is comfortable because you're not clear what you're getting. Um, And so people often laugh about like, the you know people in old age who will say anything, and I just say like I hope we don't have to wait until we're seniors to mm. live from a place of truth. You know. Yeah, very true. And I apologize for saying your name incorrectly in the introduction. Oh. I'll get it right. Uh, yes, in the, it's in the all right. Tama yes. Tama is a good name. Yes. I, I think ah, it's a thank great you. Great name. So yeah. yeah, my apologies there, but I think everything. It's all right. The H, and let me say for your audience who may not be seeing it, the H is what throws people off because the H is silent. So I usually get the Thema or some people think I left the L out and they'll say Thelma. 
So I'm used to all the different variations. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And thank you so much for forgiving me. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's yes. up. Um, but I think what you said, everything there was, was really true and, and vital. And, and, you know, I, I've, I've struggled with that in my own life and knowing who I really am trying to conform for the sake of trying to fit in people pleasing. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. And it just made me feel miserable. Like, cause I, I wasn't being true to who I really was and, or am. And there was that identity clash and, and crisis, which made it included all kinds of other problems, the depression, anxiety. And I found that interesting. Like, why does that, actually happen to us why does the depression and the anxiety come out of the fact that we we don't know our real identity yes we're grieving a lot you know grieving because at my core if i'm pretending i still know i'm unacceptable that's yeah. why i say like if someone is your friend um or even your dating partner but they're they don't really know you at your core, you still know it's unacceptable, right? That I know in this friendship, I have to be silent or agree with everything you say. So fundamentally, you don't actually like me, right? Because you don't know me. You just like your own echo, right? You just like that I agree with you. So uh, I think it, it is draining. It's emotional labor to constantly try to figure out what people want and then try to give it to them. And the other reality is, even when we're pretending, uh, you're never going to be able to satisfy everyone. You know, if you dress the quote unquote right way, do your hair a certain way, do all try to get name brand, whatever this is, you know, there's still going to be people who have a problem with that. So it can be exhausting. Right. So that's where the despair can come in. The sense of hopelessness can come. And then in terms of the anxiety uh, is the stress of trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why it is such a gift when we not only come home to ourselves, but when we have genuine connections and genuine friendships and family or partnerships. When, when, when you discover people with whom you can be absolutely yourself and you are accepted and loved as you are, you know, that's very freeing it's, and it's, then it's genuine because I can't have an authentic relationship without being an authentic me. Yeah. I have to be real. How do we know that we are really living in our authentic self and not uh, just another lie? Right. So one is that uh, it's not uh, exhausting. Mm -hmm. Right. When I'm in my genuine flow, that is, is not labor for me in that way. So I was uh, laughing last night. I went to dinner with another faculty member and we were uh, joking about how we knew we were meant to be professors because like our classes are three hours long. And yet at the end of the three hours, we're always like, oh, my gosh, we ran out of time. <laughs> Whereas for some other people, like that would be death, right? To have to teach for three hours. But, you know, when you're when you're doing the things that make you come alive, it doesn't feel like so much labor, right? It's mm -hmm. like you're in your zone. And then I would also say paying attention to is fear or insecurity 
guiding my decision, right? Because if it's fear-based or if it's out of my insecurity or out of my shame, then that's not me being authentic, right? So it's like digging underneath of why am I showing up this way? Why did I just say that, right? Um, so it requires being able to be reflective. So for some people, the journaling helps to be able to write and get clear or just taking some time like away from all the devices and the TV so I can like check in with myself because homecoming has to start with telling ourselves the truth, right? Because as you're saying, we can go through the motions and not even know months or years of our lives can pass us and we've just been like faking it. And then something happens to awaken you to say like, what in the world? Like this isn't, this isn't me. My audience knows this. I have a pet peeve with that saying, fake it till you make it. Uh, it's just one of my all time favorite or hated yes. sayings. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I, I, I just don't agree with it at all. Even in the slightest, mm-hmm. I guess they try and find some, some way to describe that is actually, there's a little bit of good in it, but I don't think there is any. Don't like any it. You just. Is, yeah, you're just setting yourself up straight away for a lie and living yeah. that lie continually. And that's why I'm so, so against it. Don't say it. <laughs> right. So be genuine. And that's what I you know, say, especially when people are first meeting people, you know, to try to be yourself because you can't keep up that other thing. And 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 you don't want to ultimately, right? You want to be able to be in spaces where you can be authentic. Yeah. When was your homecoming? So I have had multiple homecomings because I have multiple experiences that disconnected me from myself. So it's been like an an ongoing journey and like integrating the different aspects of myself. So uh, along with being into psychology, um, I'm also uh, into the arts. Right. So I'm a, a dancer and a poet. I love the expressive arts. I love theater and music. And, you know, one example of a homecoming is I used to keep those things separate, right? Because people don't think of scientists as creatives and people don't think of creatives as being like scholarly. So it was like these two different lives. And so uh, when I found ways and started to talk about one in the other spaces, that was a form of homecoming. So like I used to perform at like open mic poetry places but the poems would be like uh, therapeutic, right? So people would say like, I feel like I was just in therapy. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Uh, or uh, in my teaching, I, I uh, signed up to teach a course or requested to teach a course on the use of the expressive arts in therapy. And it was so beautiful. The students who came in were like these totally artsy folks who hadn't felt comfortable, like in these other classes that were so like narrow, you know, or by the book. And so learning not to keep the different parts of myself separate, but to be able to be present in the fullness of all the different things that are me. Mm. You you mentioned that there's a spiritual side to reclaiming oneself. And I think there was also a a physical or psychological aspect to it, which I really appreciated you explaining the psychological aspect to it. I think it's a Greek, it's Greek term. 
Yes. What was the great meaning? Study of the soul. Psychology is study of the soul. And so we don't have to leave any parts of ourselves behind. We are mind, body, heart, spirit. And so, you know, stress and trauma affect you on all those different levels. So we want to pay attention to how do I nourish my spirit? How do I heal my heart? How do I shift my thoughts? How do I uh, really get empowered in terms of my actions? So I'm not just reflecting on things for years, but I want to actually start to live it. Um, So really being holistic is important. Uh, Some people do these unnecessary, I'll say false choices or false dichotomies to say like, are you into therapy or are you spiritual? Mm. It's not an either or, right? So you can do all of those things, all of the various pathways that, that bring us home. Yeah. Does it matter the kind of spiritual practice that we have in our life? Does that play um, a factor? I think it's discovering what are the things that feed your soul or feed your spirit. So yeah. like for some people that will be starting the day with prayer and meditation uh, for some people, it may be uh, in dance, right? I so said some people feel, you know, I'll say sacred the most when they're doing artistry. Uh, some people in silence. Uh, some people, they'll uh, connect the most if they're like listening to a sermon or a homily or, you know, and for other people, it's reading a sacred text for themselves and then like journaling about it. So, You want to, you know, be open to trying a range. And then I also say being around a community um, of people of shared faith can also really enrich it and deepen it because you have people who you can dialogue with about it. It's not debate, but just like for enrichment. Uh, So all of those different pathways can can help us to, to nourish our spirits. And I encourage people to start their day with that that way so that you're not easily discouraged or distracted or thrown off because you like have roots. So something that grounds you at the start of your day can help you to to go through the day. Well, having that sense of community brings about the connection. And I think you look in, in scripture, you look at Jesus, he was always around people except for when he went into the desert for 40 days, but he was always teaching. He was always around people. And I think that connection, that, that just livens people up and it livens me up too. Like, I guess I have my, my moments where I want to be alone and re- recharge and reflect, but there's also those other moments where I just want to be with people and, and have yes. conversations. And I think that's, that's really, really helpful for healing, for, for growth, for just being and being comfortable with being who you are around these people too. I think that's also right. helpful when they accept who you really are in the group. I mean, right. that, that feeling yeah. It's incredible. It's good. It's that sense of, of community, right? Yeah. That people are happy to see you, that they're happy you're present, like genuinely. And also not just happy that when you're going through, let's say grief or sorrow, that these are people who will show up for you and be present with you. Uh, so community is definitely a part of our healing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you as well, when it comes down to healing from trauma, because trauma is is nasty and there's a lot of people that are listening to this that do have uh, trauma wounds. I know I, I do, uh, a lot of them. And I, I have like a lot of different practices that I implement in my life to help 
reclaim victory over that trauma. But I wanted to ask you regarding the kind of difficult traumas that a lot of people have, how does uh, having a spiritual practice, how does that help with navigating through trauma? Yeah. So, you know, the spiritual practices can uh, help for, for multiple principles. One is this idea of, you know, fundamentally, if the faith is about uh, love and compassion, for us to turn that inward also for ourselves. Yeah. I think a lot of people focus on verses about loving God or loving your neighbor, you know, but if we say love your neighbor as yourself, yeah. that means I have to also love myself. <laughs> and so to really uh, say that I am worthy of care, I'm worthy of compassion, I'm worthy of love, like I'm a sacred being, right? That my life, my body, my emotions, those things are, are significant. And it also helps us when we think about the miraculous, because, you know, when you read the statistics about, you know, all the things that you increase the risk for in the aftermath of trauma, it's like a lot of really difficult, really kind of terrible things. And so uh, to believe that even though I have been through all of this, that I still want to have a good life, you know, as an act of faith. Right. Because sometimes we're aiming for a life we have not yet experienced. Right. Or aiming for uh, goodness that we have not yet experienced. But holding on, you know, to that faith or that belief, that hope that is possible. Right. That uh, even if I have never been treated well, that a part of me still believes I, I am worthy. I'm deserving. That is possible uh, for me in my future or in my present um, and so one of the things that's important for healing trauma is like motivation. And when I'm in a place of despair, I'm, you know, hopelessness is like, I don't believe my life can ever get any better than this. And so trying to believe for what I have not yet seen, uh, our spirituality can help with that. I'm going to have to bring you back on at a later date to talk more about trauma, because I think we can talk for hours about that, believe you me. Yes. And I think what you have to say with all your experience would help so many people. And I, I've had a lot of conversations with psychologists, with therapists regarding the trauma uh, issue that is surrounding our world today. And they've been always helpful conversations. And I think what you just said is helpful for me too, to understand and realize because spiritual practice does play a huge factor in that. But yeah, I'd love to continue that conversation with you That's at some great. point. But, yeah, I would um, love it. We'd love to ask you about reparenting oneself. What do you mean by reparenting oneself? I think that's an interesting concept. Yes. So, you know, parents are people. And so parents are imperfect. And I think all of us, even those who feel like, you know, they generally had loving parents, can still usually identify sometimes when the parent missed the mark, right? Mm -hmm. Not everything was perfect. And then you have on the other end of the spectrum, people who were either abandoned by their parents or parents were, you know, very abusive. And so uh, a number of clients I've had have felt stuck, right? Stuck in um, resentment, stuck mm -hmm. in the rage, um, stuck in the despair and the depression of how they were treated as children. And so it's important to acknowledge those wounds, to grieve those wounds, but then to start to 
give ourselves the things that we were never given, right? So with reparenting, we think about what are some healthy things that a attentive parent would do for their child and how can I do that for myself? So I talk about even along basics, you know, that uh, an engaged, healthy parent is going to say there's a bedtime, right? You're not going to have a seven-year-old up at 2 a.m., hopefully. <laughs> and so some of us are up all hours of the night and like need to go to bed, need to protect our rest. You know, a healthy, engaged parent who, you know, has the resources is going to say, and even those who grow up in poverty is going to say, put some greens on that plate. Right. You're not going to just eat candy for dinner. You need to have some vegetables, eat some fruit, need to drink some water. So then as I reparent myself, I want to just not drink soda and live out of uh, drive through windows. Right. I want to look at what I'm feeding my body. Uh, a healthy, engaged parent is not going to just let anybody take their kid and not going to just let anybody in their home. You know, they're going to ask questions. They're going to see, like, is this person seem, you know, we, we can't ever do 100%. Sometimes you think someone is safe and they're not, but they're going to do their due diligence to try to be protective of their child. And so some of us need to set boundaries and stop entertaining people who dishonor us, that we don't have to continue to give them access in our lives. So I'm going to set a boundary and say, no, you know, you can't come here anymore. No, I don't need to spend time over there. So that's what it means to reparent ourselves, give ourselves the things, the quality treatment that we wish we had received as children. I like how you mentioned setting boundaries and it kind of reminds me of the conversation that I had with Nedra. Um, Another powerful conversation too. And all these, all these uh, suggestions and, and, and advice that you are giving it's helpful to me. <laughs> I am yeah. spinning with so many questions, <laughs> Dr. Brian. You got it. You, uh, you have to forgive me. Um, but the last couple of questions that I did have for you, because I know your time is is extremely valuable. But when we're talking about emotional intelligence, I did have a conversation with Dr. Daniel Goldman, who wrote Emotional Intelligence. I wanted to ask you what was your take on emotional intelligence and how does that help with our homecoming or reclaiming ourselves. Yeah. So since an important part of homecoming is telling yourself the truth, it includes telling yourself the truth about how you feel. So mm-hmm. being able to recognize your feelings because we can't heal what we don't acknowledge. And uh, some of us are disconnected from our own feelings. So, you know, I'll have a client who's telling a story who clearly is very angry. And if I say, so you were mad, they'll say, no, I'm not. You know, I don't care. It didn't matter to me. (laughs) So there's that like denial. So you have to be able to say like, yeah, I was upset. Yeah, that did. That hurt my feelings. Or yes, I was afraid. So that's a part of emotional intelligence. And sometimes we were raised in households or cultures or in religious settings where certain feelings were not okay. So like people are genuinely not aware that they have certain feelings, right? Um, Growing up in my community, a term people would often say to children is fix your face, right? So like you weren't as a child, you should never look mad, you should never look bored, you should never look disappointed. And so it's interesting, we would say fix your face instead of what's wrong. 
let's look at healing your heart, but it's more like, I don't want to see it. If you're upset, I don't want to be bothered by you being upset. So to make me feel better, look happy, right? So, you know, obviously we can't heal again if we're faking it. So with emotional intelligence, it's my awareness of what I feel and then my ability to communicate that to other people, to be able to express it. And then on the flip side of that, for me to acknowledge what other people are feeling, to not assume other people feel what you feel, right? Because you may be perfectly comfortable. A good example is some people love to debate. I don't like it. Other people don't like it. So if you, if people are not tuned in to the fact that you're enjoying going back and forth with someone who is really uncomfortable, then that's going to sabotage any kind of friendship or relationship because you're not tuned into what other people are experiencing. You're not reading any of the cues. So we want to acknowledge other people's emotions and then learn how do we connect and relate with people even as we may be having different experiences. So all of those are important for both uh, authentic identity and healing and also authentic relationships. I don't like baiting. I don't think yeah. they work at all. Yeah. And it's like, you're not changing anyone's mind. I mean, they're entertaining yeah. to watch, but <laughs> yeah. they just don't do any good. None, no. nonetheless. But, That's right. Um, I appreciate you, you sharing all that. Uh, your new book is called Homecoming. Where do you want people to get a copy of this book? Dr. Brian, before I ask you the final two questions. Yes. Yeah, so the book is available everywhere. Books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Indie Bound, uh, your local bookstore, you can have them order it. And it's in hardback, uh, Kindle, and also the ebook, um, uh, the audio book for those who would prefer to listen. And some people do both. They want to listen while they read it. Uh, and so I would encourage you all to get Homecoming. And I would love to hear your experience of it so you can leave a review. And then I also have a podcast, which is also called Homecoming. And that's on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Um, and so it's 30-minute episodes on mental health issues. Well, I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of this brilliant book. I read it. I was blessed to be able to thank you so much for sending me a copy. I, I read the whole thing. And, and trust me when I say this, I could spend hours speaking with you about the oh, book. I would love it. <laughs> um, but I know how, how busy you are. My, my second last question for you really quick is what do you love the most about yourself and your story? Mm. What I love most about myself is my, actually my authenticity, like being real, being comfortable, being true. So I'm living from a place of truth and that feels really good. Mm. And uh, what was the second one? What do you love the most about your story? What I love the most about my story is a phrase I often use, which is, Trauma affects me, but it doesn't define me. Mm. So I can own and speak about the difficult moments. And I'm also very clear, there is more to me than what has been done to me. Mm. I love that. This is my all-time favorite question. I love asking my guests at the end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you okay. to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together 
a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Yeah. I want that film to show she healed and helped others to heal. That is beautiful. It's all it needs to say. (laughs) That is it. Perfect send-off message for people. Dr. Brian, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your advice, your stories, and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.